0: I'm Melanie Cole, and today, we're discussing overcoming gastrointestinal complications after lung transplant. In this podcast, we will learn how diseases of the esophagus can impact outcomes after lung transplant, and how gastric reflux and allograft dysfunction can affect esophageal motility. Joining me is Dr. Andres Palaez. He's the medical director at UF Health Shands Lung Transplant Program an Advanced Lung Failure Pulmonologist at UF Health Shands Hospital, and an Associate Professor at the University of Florida College of Medicine. Dr. Pillais, it's such a pleasure to have you with us today. Post-transplant, please help us to understand lung allograft dysfunction. How common is this in patients, and what is the most common cause of this type of dysfunction?
1: Yes, so a chronic allograft dysfunction is a permanent loss of the lung function after a lung transplant, and uh, fortunately enough, this is something that doesn't present early on after lung transplant. Just to give you an idea, uh, currently more than 4,000 uh, lung transplants are performed each year around the world, and there is a significant growing interest and also the commitment to this highly complex, uh, problematic field in uh, solid organ transplant. Now, we can see that lung transplant recipients will have more than 90% survival at one year. Over time, the chronic allograft dysfunction, unfortunately, will start developing. And is this progressive loss of lung function that starts reducing a scarring either of the airway or the lung itself. And by the end of five years, we expect that almost 50% of the patients will end up having the chronic allograft dysfunction. That unfortunately is the main cause of reducing the long-term survival and also, uh, unfortunately reducing the quality of life of uh, the lung transplant recipients.
0: Well then explain for us how diseases of the esophagus impact outcomes after lung transplant. Kind of tie this together for us and help us to understand the connection between gastric reflux and allograft dysfunction.
1: Yeah, Melanie, that's an excellent question because uh, the lung transplant recipient itself is going to be exposed to uh, the immune system trying to identify the new uh, allograft, and that on its own is trying to attack the lung, and that's why we use the uh, transplant medications to try to suppress that uh, immune uh, response. At the same time, we have no immune factors that can Uh, lead to the progressive uh, development of allograft dysfunction. Gastroesophageal reflux and problems of the esophagus has been suggested to be one of those important non-immune contributors to the development of uh, allograft dysfunction. So if we look at it from if the esophagus and the lung are uh, closely interconnected, and the esophagus uh, is leading for the person to constantly aspirate, that leads to an injury. So it's a constant injury that the lung is having to deal day after day, and that over time leads to development of uh, allograft dysfunction. As I mentioned before, either because it start developing some scarring and more fibrosis in an attempt to try to defend against that injury, but at the same time, leads the immune system to be upregulated. So that's why we think there is a close connection between the esophagus and esophageal problems with patients who undergo lung transplant.
0: Have you found, doctor, that early surgical intervention may decrease the mortality of some of these complications? Tell us about the safety of fund application in lung transplant recipients, its effect on their quality of life, which obviously is a big part of all of this. Kind of tell us a little bit about some of the treatment options, or if there are things that you can do to prophylactically stave this off.
1: Yes, so it's important to identify what things we can do to minimize that ongoing injury that is coming from recurrent aspiration. So normally how we uh, defend from aspirating is by having different mechanisms, and some of those might be the cough, and also it might be also uh, how the esophagus uh, clears uh, the food. So after lung transplant, not only the cough mechanism that is protecting us is impaired, but also how the esophagus moves is impaired. If we look lung transplant recipients, almost uh, 60 to 70 percent of them can have silent aspiration. So what's happening is that even though they might be aspirating, they might not be aware. And the only way we start noticing that that's happening to the patient is because over time we see that either they start developing more uh, rejection or we see the uh, lung function is starting to decline. And that's what leads uh, for us to look for uh, possible uh, gastro reflux or problems with the esophagus. So if we look at the general population, more than 20% or 30% of the general population is going to have reflux, but that's not so problematic for the general population. After lung transplant, we see that that incidence of reflux significantly increases and almost uh, 60 to 70% of the patients might have gastro reflux. So imagine these patients that after lung transplant, the incidence of reflux is significantly increased and now the patient is dealing with that ongoing injury. Uh, Make us uh, think what interventions can we do to minimize that ongoing injury. And some of the things that you alluded or you asked me is from the plication. And that's a surgery that is done to try to minimize the reflux. But at the same time, we have seen that not only the the reflux is what is leading to a problem. What about if, if it's Closer, and the esophagus is not moving very well, even though we stop the reflux by undergoing the fundoplication, the esophageal motility might not be completely taken care of, and the person might still be having esophageal reflux and still continue to have the, the injury. So what I'm trying to tell you is that being aware and being uh, looking for uh, how the esophagus might be impacting the the lung uh, allograft uh, is very important. At the same time, trying to identify what is the proper intervention is also uh, relevant. And uh, today, we feel that uh, every patient who goes uh, lung transplant uh, is important to have some sort of uh, assessment and evaluation of the esophagus, so that we identify down the road if that patient is going to be at risk, and also to uh, determine if early interventions might uh, make sense, like doing fundoplication, for example.
0: Well, thank you for explaining about esophageal motility and allograft dysfunction and how those are connected. So, Dr. Pillai's How have been your outcomes when you are looking at all of these factors for allograft dysfunction and the mortality rate? And tell us a little bit about your outcomes and what you've seen, what you'd like other providers to know.
1: Yes. So the uh, most important thing is to have a multidisciplinary team approach where you closely work not only with uh, the pulmonologist and the gastroenterologist who has expertise in esophageal motility disorders, but at the same time with a surgeon who is very knowledgeable and skilled in undergoing any uh, surgical interventions of the esophagus if it's necessary. Because when the patient is identified to have a problem and an early intervention is is done, that definitely can help the patient to prevent from having a progressive allograft dysfunction. But at the same time, when that procedure is done in the wrong time with the wrong patient, also can lead to development of other complications that uh, not only are not going to help prevent the progressive allograft dysfunction, but at the same time might lead to uh, other uh, issues that the patient was not having before. So some of the things that uh, we have done is uh, early on uh, evaluate those patients and be very aware before going into the transplant what uh, risk they bring into uh, the surgery. And immediately after surgery, being aware that they are increased risk of aspiration or uh, gas reflux helps the team to be in tune and be acting uh, early on rather than waiting for a patient to aspirate or developing complications. So by having that multidisciplinary approach, uh, our uh, outcomes uh, have been uh, very successful. Our one-year survival currently is uh, 95%. Uh, despite of dealing with the uh, challenging patients, particularly these that have esophageal dysmotility, motility.
0: What a fascinating topic. And if we wrap up, what do you see on the horizon for overcoming gastrointestinal complications after lung transplant? What would you like other providers to take away from this?
1: Yeah, I think the transplant community continues to to explore what uh, Interventions are necessary to minimize the complications related to esophageal uh, problems. We know mechanistically that this is leading to an ongoing injury and also to uh, upregulation of the immune system. What we don't know as a transplant community uh, yet is how soon the procedures uh, need to be done or what additional uh, procedures uh, are necessary to minimize the problem. I think the most important is being aware that those are there and uh, likely, uh, I think what I see in the future is studying very early mechanical interventions to prevent and protect the esophagus from leading to uh, aspiration and also exploring and looking ways of how we can overcome and improve the motility that we know is going to be impaired after lung transplant. So I think those are the things that I see down the road uh, as uh, adding to the potential uh, options beyond the uh, surgical intervention.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Pillais, for joining us today. What a fascinating topic. Thank you for sharing your expertise. And that concludes today's episode of UF Health Med Edcast with UF Health Shands Hospital. To learn more about this and other healthcare topics at UF Health Shands Hospital, please visit ufhealth.org slash medmatters to get connected with one of our providers. Please also remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other UF Health Shands Hospitals podcasts. I'm Melanie Cole.